All right, people, this is it. We're back in business. It's January 10th, 2022. I am Florida man Dave Rubin, and yes, we are in Florida. We are on Rumble, on YouTube, on Blaze TV, and you may be wondering what's going on here, Dave. How could you be in Florida? That looks like your background, but through the magic of the internet and technology, that's actually a fake background. It's just a screen behind me. It's not the old studio. We couldn't actually move the house. Uh, we are at Newsmax Studios here in Florida. They are letting us use their studios for a week. I am uh, hugely appreciative uh, my buddy John Bachman and the entire Newsmax team hooking us up. Uh, I was going to go to Dallas over to the Blaze Studios this week to shoot over there at first because it's taken us a little time to build out our temporary studio and we haven't closed on the house yet, blah, blah, blah. It's all good. Uh, but I really felt that it was important that I get back into the studio and do it from Florida because uh, so much of my life is now about Florida. So I'm super psyched to be back in studio. There's a ton of stuff that I want to talk to you about. 99% of it is good. Uh, obviously, the big news of today is that Bob Saget, the legendary comedian and actor and my friend, uh, my friend, uh, passed away last night here in Florida, in Orlando. So we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit and a couple other stories. I just wanted to talk to you a bit about what these last couple weeks have been like uh, because we got to Florida on December 18th and immediately David and I got COVID. My whole team got COVID. We all got it in LA because we were basically sick pretty much the first day that we got here. And as you know, right before Christmas, Omicron was running rampant all over the place. I had some leg aches. My throat hurt a little bit. I took some Ricola. I drank some water. I was okay. It hit David a little bit harder. Um, Michael got it. Connor did not get it, believe it or not. Oh, and I should mention, Michael is here in studio with me right now. Connor is working remotely. So when I'm talking to people off camera, one of them may not even be in this room. That's the magic of television or the internet or whatever it is that we're doing here. Uh, but in any event, a bunch of COVID stuff happened. So it was a little bit of an odd start to Florida in that regard. But to Florida's credit, within a day of getting COVID, I was able to get a monoclonal treatment. I then took ivermectin as well, uh, which they tell you is horse paste, but it worked for me and I was pretty much okay. And then look, everybody got COVID. I think maybe this is how this whole thing was supposed to end. Not that the powers that be really want this thing to end, but the ending would be that sort of everyone would get it. It would be a lesser variant that wouldn't send so many people to the hospital. People would get sick, but then it would sort of show people like, oh, you got vaccinated and boosted and you're, uh, you know, still sick and you didn't get vaccinated or boosted and you're sick and everyone's getting everybody sick, but we're all still basically here and everything's basically okay. Like maybe that is the ultimate ending to the, to the COVID thing. So we got to Florida, we got COVID. Okay. You know, life goes on. Um, I did mention, I did a video about having COVID and, uh, you know, I had never said on this show, in these last two years of COVID mania. I had never said whether I was vaccinated or not. 
it, my feeling was it's my own personal decision that I was making with my doctor and my family and my own, my own mind. And I thought that's what I tell everybody else they should be doing. It was irrelevant whether I was vaccinated or not. But once I got COVID, I sort of felt like I should say because uh, I wasn't that sick. Uh, and even if I had been very sick, I think I still would have said it. So I am not vaccinated. Uh, I don't want to get kicked off YouTube for saying it, uh, but I'm 45 years old. I'm in relatively decent shape. Um, and it was my choice not to, as I said, I got the monoclonal, got ivermectin, took a little Advil, a little Ricola, drank some tea. All good, all good. Anyway, Florida. I just have to say a few things about Florida and then we'll, we'll get to the top of the show. As you can see, I'm excited to be back in studio. There's a lot going on in my mind right now. Um, being here for the last three weeks uh, has been a massive weight off my chest. I, I did not even realize how much being in LA and being in a sort of lockdown, you know, COVID obsessed, masked, the madness of all of it. I don't think I fully realized how much it was affecting me. But right when I got off the plane, and I hope some of you guys saw the video that we, that we posted in the Rubin Report community, I, we took, uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a friend who's got a plane and we took a private flight so that we didn't have to put Clyde uh, under, because uh, he obviously can't keep a dog on, on a normal plane without putting them you know, in, the, in the cargo area beneath, which we didn't want to do. And I got to sit in the cockpit as we were landing to Miami and I could feel, I could really like feel California like melting off of me all of the nonsense, all of the rules and regulations and the high taxes and all the thinking about Gavin Newsom, that that evil freak had something to do with my life, all of that stuff, like it melted away from me. And I have to say these last few weeks, even being sick for a couple days, uh, have just been great. There is such incredible energy here in Miami specifically, but I've bounced around a little bit uh, throughout the state and people are happy. Uh, people are smiling. If you want to wear a mask, you wear a mask. I've met so many other refugees. I've been to a couple parties, went to parties. Can you believe it? Went to a New Year's party. All these people that have moved here from California, from New York, et cetera, et cetera. And they know why they've moved and they know why Florida did it right. And that Florida man who we all made fun of and was a meme for all of these years, that Florida man knew something that we didn't know. So I just want to be clear, I am here to keep Florida, Florida, I am going to fight for it. And if we can save Florida, then maybe we can save America. And if we can maybe save America, then maybe we can save the world. But it starts here. It really, that's the way it feels to me. And I'm very excited. Oh, and I should mention before we get going that, so I go to this party like two or three days in to, uh, to the Miami adventure. And Mayor Suarez, who I've had on the show, who's the mayor of Miami, who's become this real sort of magnet for the tech people to come here and help businesses. And he, the guy, he's just a great guy. Uh, I get to this party and the mayor comes up to me, Ruben, we're so happy to have you. Gives me a big hug, fist bump, you know, going on and on about how excited he is that I've moved my company here and everything. I was like, man, like think how different that is than what I was dealing with in California where Garcetti, I don't know if he knew who I was, but certainly Gavin Newsom had me on some kind of list. And then, uh, and we'll show you an image right now, uh, I was invited to the governor's mansion and I had dinner with that guy. Yeah, the guy who is basically single-handedly saving the union, Ron DeSantis. Uh, it was myself, a uh, couple other uh, influencers and Twitter people, whatever it might be, Carol Markowitz and Josh Hammer and Dave Raboy and a couple of John Cardillo, a couple other people. Uh, Lisa Booth. It was just great. We had about five hours with the governor just talking. It was, it was all off the record, so I'm not going to say what we were talking about specifically, but just 
just to sit with this guy. He is a good, decent man, and he is ready to fight for this place. And Governor DeSantis, if you're watching this, again, I won't uh, repeat anything that was said off the record, uh, but I want you to stay governor of this state. Let's not worry about the presidential thing. I think that'll work itself out uh, because we got a state to save. So all that being said, this is my longest intro to a show ever. Uh, I am I'm reborn here. I, I really feel like I am reborn. I'm psyched. I'm very appreciative to the Newsmax guys for hooking us up in this temporary studio for now. We're gonna build an awesome new studio at my house. We'll have a temporary studio starting next week at my house while we build out the main studio. Uh, but it's just exciting to be here. I'm, I'm really, really thrilled. Uh, and now I'm gonna juxtapose that with story number one, uh, which is that legendary comedian, actor, uh, and just freaking good, decent man. Uh, Bob Saget has passed away at 65 years old. Uh, Bob was a good friend of mine, one, one of my best friends in the last couple of years. Bob and his wife, Kelly, became great friends of David and I, and we were at their wedding. Actually, the picture that we're throwing up right now, that was at their wedding. I was on tour, this was in 2018. It was the height of the Jordan Peterson tour. Um, and I was in England and Bob's wedding was coming up and I said, you know, I've gotta get back for that. Like if you don't, if, what's the purpose of success or traveling or anything that you're doing uh, if you miss the, the real moments with people, right? So I flew from uh, London to Los Angeles for one day to go to the wedding and then I flew back to Amsterdam. It was a crazy operation. Uh, but there's Bob and Kelly, and they're, they're just great people, and I'm, I'm obviously very upset about this. Um, I want to show you just a, a quick, about a minute clip of uh, Bob on the Rubin Report from about two years ago. And I think this sort of really kind of captures who Bob is. To be a good comic, you have to have a ton of shit. Like, you have to have all this pain and all this angst and all this stuff. But then at some point you gotta conquer it, because otherwise it'll conquer you. And that's why so many comics die of drug overdoses and all this other stuff. And but still, if you and can still own are it, dying young. And are, and yeah, but if you can own it, then you could be 62 and... Well, I'm gonna be doing, I don't know if I'm gonna be doing stand-up at 90, but I'll be doing forms of it, yeah. you know? You couldn't stop even if you wanted to, right? I could not stop working. I, I, I just directed this movie, Benjamin, which I'll talk about at length in the third hour of our interview. <laughs> but but I, I have to leave after hour two, but you're welcome to I'm hang. gonna stay. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna keep going. It's just gonna be me and the camera. <laughs> but but I I love working. Without it, I, I I'm an artist. I, I, and it sounds so fruity pebbles to say that, but I just am. And I always will be, and I'll be making whether it be directing or writing or performing, I love acting. There's no limit as long as you can stand and walk and bend and remember things, you know, it, you know, yeah. not fall into an open trunk. <laughs> right. The memory one goes first because now there's guys on Broadway that are using uh, IFBs, IFB, earwigs. I, yeah. I was going to say uh, IB, IB. I was gonna, what's the intercontinental? IBMs. I, <laughs> Missiles. Yeah, not those. That's a, that's a different. No, thing. no, that has been known, and I hopefully will uh, live long enough that at 92 years old, I'll be on Broadway and I'll have an earwig in and they'll feed me the lines and I don't care. And you, yeah. If I'm good, if it's done right. God, it's bittersweet to see that. Um, I was just texting with Bob a couple days ago and two days ago, he literally posted this image on Instagram. I mean, he had just crushed it 
in Orlando. He was doing stand-up again. I mean, does that look like a 65-year-old guy who is about to die? I, I, so I don't know what happened. Uh, obviously, more info will come out. Uh, it's irrelevant, actually, in a way. The, the world lost a great man, a funny man. You know, I've known a lot of comics in my day, and comics love to make people laugh, right? Like, that's it. That's it more than anything. I've never met anyone who loved to make people laugh more than Bob Saget. And he, he donated to all sorts of charities, did all sorts of stuff on the DL that nobody knew about. And he was just a good, decent guy. And uh, we'll throw up one other image here. This was my return to stand-up a couple of years ago. Uh, the way that Bob... Kelly, David, and I met was, uh, I did a, a little show at the Comedy Store. I hadn't done stand-up for a couple of years after moving to LA. I did a little show at the Comedy Store just to see if I could do stand-up again. And I, and I really crushed it. And I get this message on Twitter from Kelly, Bob's girlfriend at the time. And she says, uh, oh, you know, we just saw you at the Comedy Store. You were upstairs. And my boyfriend, you may have heard of him, Bob Saget, was downstairs in the big room. And, uh, you know, we'd love to get together for dinner. We, we all quickly became friends. The image that you're looking at there uh, was about a year later when I did the Irvine Improv, which is one of the biggest comedy clubs in the country, certainly on the West Coast. And I did about an hour myself. And then I brought Bob on as a surprise guest. He, he refused to take money. He then took my whole crew and family out to dinner and he paid for it after. Uh, he, he, was just a, he was just a great guy. He was just a great guy. And, uh, you know, obviously Betty White also passed, uh, I believe the last day of the year, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was December 31st. And she was sort of America's grandmother, like universally loved. And Bob in some ways was America's dad, right? Full house and, uh, you know, Je Danny Tanner. And it's like, we don't have that many universally loved people anymore. That's what I was thinking about uh, this morning. It's like the, the late night hosts. We used to have Johnny Carson. People basically like Johnny Carson. Now they're all so polarized and all that. And, and speaking of the polarization part, you know, Bob, Bob and I didn't see eye to eye on all the political stuff. And I always used to joke with him that uh, we didn't have to talk politics uh, when we were having dinner. And he would always say he didn't want to talk politics, but then he would always bring politics up. But then throughout the night, we, we would just have a blast. So the, the world lost a good one. And uh, I love you, Bob, and I'm going to miss you. Uh, all right. I want to talk to you guys for just a minute. We're going to mix it up for just a second. I want to talk to you guys for a moment about things that have fundamentally changed the way we live. These are the disruptors, things like smartphones, streaming services, or dogs named Clyde who like to jump on you each time you come home. And Clyde actually did once jump on Bob Saget and punched him in the nuts. It's true. Uh, another disruptor I heard of recently is a company called Ladder, who basically took the life insurance industry, flipped it upside down, and shook out the inefficiencies. Before Ladder, if you wanted to get life insurance, you had to drive across town, fill out a ton of paperwork, and then wait six to eight weeks to find out if you've been approved. You'd also receive a zillion phone calls from agents trying to bundle your life insurance with things like car insurance. Now with Ladder, you can get fast, affordable life-term insurance without leaving home. It's 100% digital when you apply for $3 million or less in coverage. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. So if you're between the ages of 20 to 60, need coverage, and want to team up with a company that's redeeming life insurance, choose Ladder. The process is super quick and easy. Go to ladderlife.com slash Ruben today to see if you are instantly approved. That's ladderlife.com slash Ruben, ladderlife.com slash Ruben. And now, back to me. All right, so let's uh, come back to Florida here for just a moment because Florida is free. Ron DeSantis, who is the governor here, and his great attorney general and his great surgeon general, they have decided almost from beat one 
two years ago, when it was two weeks to flatten the curve, that they were gonna keep the state open. They were gonna give as much choice to people as possible, which is obviously how this should have been managed. And again, as I said at the top, right now here in Florida, if you wanna wear a mask, you can, but they're not gonna force you to do it. They're not gonna force you to be injected with things. It's your choice. And you know, the good liberals used to believe in choice. Uh, my body, my choice, not so much anymore. Anyway, Florida has been open and Florida is booming. There are all sorts of metrics on this in terms of the way the economy is exploding. I can assure you, uh, having just bought a house, that the house prices are blowing up, the market is crazy, uh, the amount of influx in terms of tourists and people that are coming here and the whole, the whole state. It's just, it's an exciting place to be, it truly is. And it's so exciting that AOC, you know this woman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or as Gad Saad calls her, uh, Alexandria Occasional Cortex. Uh, she vacationed over the Christmas break here in Miami. So here's a picture of AOC in Florida. She's drinking what looks to be a martini in the middle of the day. That apparently is her boyfriend over there. And uh, originally this image uh, got viral through uh, Steve Cortez who tweeted it out and made a comment about the boyfriend's feet because he's wearing those flip flops with the socks. Okay, so be it, that's just fine. Uh, that is sort of irrelevant to the fact that AOC, who has locked down her people, who has been all about mandates, who does not vote in Congress in person. She has someone do it by proxy because of the pandemic, okay? This is someone who in essence has been a lockdown hoe, okay? That's what I called her on Twitter, and now I'm saying it live. Um, she has decided that she would vacation in Florida. This is someone who I have no doubt has said horrible things about Ron DeSantis, has said horrible things about Florida, but they are all, and this is the key part, guys, and we all just need to know it, and then what you do with it is up to you. These politicians and AOC ain't the only one who do one thing privately and who lock down their people publicly and then vacation elsewhere in the places that they say are the scariest things. They are bullshit artists. And they're not very good artists. They're just extraordinary bullshitters. So AOC comes to Miami, which Miami is open and the weather is good and people are out and there are crowds and she's having drinks outside and she's not social distancing, all of that stuff. And then she went to a drag bar on Miami Beach, and we've got some video. Good God, it could make you puke. I mean, these ridiculous people applauding her, applauding her. Why would you be applauding this woman? You live in Florida or are vacationing to Florida. South Beach, obviously, big tourist area. You are all living and or vacationing here because it's open, because it's good, because they haven't destroyed all of the businesses, be they drag bars or shoe repair shops. And these fools that are applauding her, and she, she's there, she's hugging people, obviously not social distancing or masking or any of that stuff. They don't even believe their own bullshit, and that's all it is. So then, after AOC started getting a lot of crap for this, uh, she tweeted this out. If Republicans are mad they can't date me, they can just say that instead of projecting their sexual frustrations onto my boyfriend's feet you creepy weirdos. 
It's starting to get old ignoring the very obvious, strange, and deranged sexual frustrations that underpin the Republican fixation on me, women, and LGBT plus people in general. These people clearly need therapy, won't do it, and use their politics as an outlet instead. It's really weird. I mean, everything she just said there, I assure you I have no sexual frustrations related to AOC, okay, uh, number one. Number two, everything she just said there is just pure projection. Her politics are a projection of her own desire to run people's lives, run people's world, make sure that they have to abide by her laws while she does not. The people that nobody was really attacking over her, over her boyfriend's feet, nobody cares about his pasty white feet and his flip-flops. And by the way, I don't mind the sock flip-flop thing. I've been known to do it. Used to live in West Hollywood. There were a lot of Russians there. That's what they do because it was cold in Russia. And then they come to California. It's a little warmer because of your sock and the flip-flop. I don't mind it. Michael's nodding his head. You don't do it. But I do do it every now and again, okay? Is what it is. My frustration with AOC is that she is an abject fraud. She's a fraud. And I'm someone that lives in the state that you come in to enjoy yourself while you lock people down. I'm not kidding when I say this. I think Florida should pass a law, and Texas as well, and Tennessee, and some of the other red states. If you are a lockdown hoe like AOC, if you are a politician who locks down your own people and forces mandates on people and everything else, you cannot come here. I think states are gonna really have to think about things like that. You cannot come here. Like, if you move to America, you have to kind of dig America, right? You have to uh, know some things about America. You have to know some stuff about our history. You have to be able to recite the national anthem, et cetera, et cetera. AOC hates America, that's obvious, but she hates Florida in the public sense, but privately actually loves Florida. Sorry, you shouldn't be allowed to come here anymore. I'm gonna have to talk to Governor DeSantis about that. Oh, and then it gets even better. It gets even better because life finds a way. Uh, AOC got COVID. Yeah, so here's a tweet from AOC's uh, official account. Representative Ocasio-Cortez has received a positive test result for COVID-19. She is experiencing symptoms and recovering at home. The Congresswoman received her booster shot this fall and encourages everyone to get their booster and follow all CDC guidance. Okay, so she's just a ridiculous clown. I'm running out of adjectives for this woman because she wasn't following CDC guidelines, right? Maskless, out, hugging people, huge crowds, blah, 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 vacationed in a place that allows you to do all that. And then if the vaccines worked and the booster worked, then would she have got COVID? We'll do more on that in just a moment, but she did all the stuff, right? She took all the vaccines. She still got COVID. So, and I will just add one other thing. I don't wish anyone uh, ill. I don't want her to be sick as much as I don't like her. Um, but perhaps, perhaps, maybe, if enough of us point out her hypocrisy, she will wake up to some of this. So we shall see. Uh, you know, when we were picking the stories for this week uh, and for today specifically, it was like I've missed out on a couple weeks and like how much should we do about Florida? How much should we do about some of these other cities and states? And then there was just such a plethora of craziness coming out of all of these other states that we had to do something from my old hometown of New York City, uh, because New York City has a new mayor. His name is Eric Adams, and the media has sort of been framing this guy as a moderate. He's not like full-on lefty socialist maniac Bill de Blasio. He's a moderate, and he's gonna be pro-police, and he's gonna be for cleaning up the city and doing something about the homelessness and the drug use and all of that stuff. That's the way it was framed. 
Well, then, this past weekend, yesterday, Sunday, uh, Eric Adams went on Jake Tapper's show on the entertainment network CNN uh, and started talking about allowing non-citizens to vote in New York City. You announced last night that you're going to support a law passed last month in New York City, which will allow roughly 800,000 legal non-citizens to vote in local elections, provided that they've lived in New York for at least 30 days. You previously called the bill problematic and expressed concern about giving a right to vote to non-citizens who have only been here for a short amount of time. Why did you change your mind and why is it acceptable for non-citizens to vote in an American election? No, I did not change my mind. I supported the concept of the bill. The one aspect of that I had a problem with and I thought was problematic was the 30-day part of being in the country for 30 days was the place that I had questions. And I sat down with my colleagues. I'm a big believer in uh, conversation. We have to start talking to each other and not at each other. And after hearing their rationale and their theories behind it, uh, I thought it was more important to not veto the bill or get in the way at all and allow the bill to move forward. Doesn't the bill just make a mockery of the idea of American citizenship, though? I mean, this is just for local elections, but... Does that mean like next uh, New York City is going to want non-citizens to vote in federal elections? I mean, it, and what do you say to all the people who went through the process, the difficult process of becoming an American citizen, studying for the test, swearing an oath of allegiance to the United States of America, who, who now see this legislation just saying, well, anyone who's here. All right. So first off, I'll give credit where credit is due, although I don't think Jake Tapper is great and he is basically a Democrat operative pretending to be a journalist, he sometimes does get some things right. I'd say he's, he bats like 100. He's like one out of 10. He gets some things right. So his questions were good there. Eric Adams just said complete nonsense and lies there. So he was basically like, oh, I was sort of always for this. I was concerned about the 30-day thing. But then once I sat down and heard the activists' theories, well, then I realized 30 days in the country, yeah, you can vote in New York City. Think how really crazy this is. And I, I lived in New York City from about 2000 to 2015. Uh, so most of my adult life, actually, I was living in New York City. I was in New York City for 9-11. Um, I loved New York City. Right? If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Like New York City should be the best place on earth. It is, it is a far cry from that right now. This man is saying that 800,000 people who are not legally here in this country, who do not deserve the rights and privileges of being an American, that they can vote in the city. And his whole thing was, oh, but I, I didn't want the 30-day thing. Like if you were here for 31 days, then it would be okay. Uh, but really think about what he's saying. That means if you can just figure out how to get in through Mexico and you just make it to New York City and you're here for four weeks, basically, right? One month, you can vote. You can actually influence elections and influence policy over people who have been here this entire time. You, you Look, people, you, you gotta leave blue cities. You, you really should leave blue states if you're sane, but you gotta leave the big cities because more and more of this nonsense is coming and this guy was framed as the moderate. He was the one that was gonna back the police. Now we see that kind of going away. He was the one that was gonna make sure that you weren't gonna have this nonsense. Also, J the way Jake Tapper framed it, I just gave him credit, but now I'll take a little credit away. He calls them legal non-citizens. Legal non-citizens. Do you see the Orwellian language that these people use? It's really extraordinary. Uh, but Adams already has a corruption scandal on his head. Uh, we've got some info from the Daily News. 
Uh, Mayor Adams went on the defensive Sunday over prominent appointments for his own brother and a former high-ranking cop implicated in a bribery scandal. He said his office was seeking a waiver from the city's Conflicts of Interest Board to allow sibling Bernard Adams to take a high-ranking NYPD job after the brother had already joined the city payroll. So he's basically making his brother, who is unqualified from another state, a high-ranking uh, person in the New York Police Department. So it's like, this is what these people do, and I am sorry to my few sane liberal friends who are left who thought they were getting the moderate and thought that the crazy socialist Bill de Blasio was on his way out and the city was gonna turn around. These people, it's just like LA, it's like California. They want more corruption, they want more lawlessness, they want more illegals voting, they don't want people to show IDs when they're voting. Like, it's so, it's all so crazy that the answer in my estimation, isn't, oh, let me stay here and fix it. The answer is to do what I did and to take your skills. If you're watching this from New York City, if you're watching this from LA, take your skills, your passion, your family, the value that you bring to the world and find a place that is in line with your views. But AOC, you can't come here. I wanna be very clear about that. You cannot come here. Uh, one of the other big stories over the last week or so uh, was uh, the appearance by Dr. Robert Malone on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, and he talked about something called mass formation psychosis, which I'll let him explain in just a moment. Uh, but we all sort of know what it is, right? Like if you say the phrase mass formation psychosis, it's mass, it's a lot, formation, it's something that's kind of moving, psychosis, a little craziness. It's sort of what we all can sort of tell without being experts has been happening over the last two years, right? Everyone is just sort of nuts and nothing is really true or real, or at least you gotta really try to pilfer some reality out of all of the nonsense. And that the people in charge, say Joe Biden, uh, Dr. Fauci, et cetera, uh, have lied to us all along. So before we get into mass formation psychosis, I'm gonna show you some lies. We've got a compilation. During 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines and, and that vaccine, a uh, key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission. Uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus, the virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving um, the virus. Fully vaccinated people are at a very, very low risk of getting COVID-19. Therefore, if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. We have all the vaccines we need. We just need our people to take it. A, for their own protection, for the protection of their family, but also to break the chain of transmission. You want to be a dead end to the virus. 
So when the virus gets to you, you stop it. You don't allow it to use you as the stepping stone to the next person. Okay, so everything that those people to that catchy tune were telling you there over the last two years was basically a lie or complete misinformation or disinformation or they didn't know what they were talking about or they're uh, misinforming you, lying, whatever phrase you want to use for political purposes or something. But these are the people in charge, right? This is Joe Biden. Does he know what he's saying or is he just handed a script and he reads it? Or is he intentionally lying? Was Fauci lying when he said that? My favorite one is uh, the actress on MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, because she reads off the teleprompter with such certitude, such, she's so sure of exactly what she's reading and that's exactly what's gonna happen and she sits there and it's MSNBC and she's very sure of something that's completely wrong, completely wrong. So these people have lied and misinformed all of us all along. And what's interesting, think about, I, I do a daily show here, right? I do a five day a week show. How come I didn't lie about all that stuff this whole time? How come I was like, hey, if you wanna get it, get it. Maybe we should have some more info, talk to your doctor, make a choice for yourself. So when you see all these lies all the time, don't pretend that everyone lied all along. And we're gonna have to think about when this is all done, when this is all done and one day it will be, what do we do with these people? Like I'm not for throwing them in the gulag like they'd love to do with us. But should they be like sort of shamed out of public society, Bill Gates? What does Bill Gates have to do with all of our public health? Congratulations for creating paint on windows in 1995. Great guy, Bill Gates, but you don't run my life. Anywho, it gets even better. Here's CDC Director Walensky. You know this woman, we've shown many clips of her. Uh, she's basically admitting that the vaccines just don't work. Um, our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So if you're going home to somebody who has not been vaccinated, to somebody who can't get vaccinated, somebody who might be immunosuppressed or a little bit fail, uh, frail, somebody who has um, uh, comorbidities that put them at high risk, I would suggest you wear a mask in public indoor setting. Oh, lady. Okay, so they work well, but they don't prevent transmission. What's also interesting is they not only don't prevent transmission, but we know that it doesn't really matter if you're relatively young and healthy, whether you're vaccinated or not, and you get COVID because people are recovering, especially from the Omicron variant. I know plenty of people who were vaccinated who had COVID the exact same time as me. And they kept saying, because they've been vaccinated and I, I got the two vaccines and I was boosted and I had 87 shots and everything else, uh, it didn't hit me that hard. Right? Like, so that's their own version of it. That's the thing that everybody, as Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker, and as all of these public people uh, have gotten it, and I'm sure AOC is gonna say the same thing. I got the boosters, I did what I was supposed to do, I got the shot, so I didn't get that sick. Well, there are plenty of people who didn't do those things, who figured out other treatments, right? Or maybe just took some Advil, whatever it is that they decided to do, who also aren't that sick. So there's no real, any, any evidence on any of that. But the very people who are telling us that masks work are now telling us masks don't work. The people who are telling us that the vaccine stops transmission and you can then go out and live your life are now telling us the complete reverse. And that brings me to mass formation psychosis. So Dr. Robert Malone was on the Joe Rogan podcast and he is one of the creators of the mRNA vaccine. And he went on for a couple hours. I'm sure many of you have seen some clips of this already. And he talked about what is happening here, not really at the disease level, but what is happening to all of us collectively, mentally. Take a look. Basically, European intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s. 
you know, very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. Um, and how did that happen? Um, the answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety and a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis, they literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. And one of the aspects of that phenomena is the people that they identify as their leaders, the ones typically that come in and say, you have this pain and I can solve it for you. I and I alone, okay, can fix this problem for you, okay? Then they will lead, they will follow that person through, it doesn't matter whether they lie to them or whatever. The data are irrelevant. And furthermore, anybody who questions that narrative is to be immediately attacked. They are the other. <clears throat> this is central to mass formation psychosis. And this is what has happened. We had all those conditions. If you remember back before 2019, everybody was complaining, the world doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we're all isolated from each other. We're all on our little tools. We're not connected socially anymore, except through social media. Um, and then this thing happened and everybody focused on it. That is how mass formation psychosis happens. And that is what's happened here. Who sounds more truthful? Dr. Robert Malone, as he calmly explains that, one of the founders of mRNA technology, someone who is a complete expert on uh, what we are all injecting ourselves with, right? Does he sound more honest or is it Rachel Maddow reading off the teleprompter? Is it Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, is it Joe Biden? <laughs> Rogan's fine. Is it Biden as he is reading whatever they put in front of him, et cetera, et cetera? I think you guys know the answer to that. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I'm an expert in mass formation psychosis, but Malone's pretty close to it. And over the last two years, I think I have spent most of my time on this show I think probably the main reason you watch the show is to pilfer some of that sanity from all of the bullshit, all of the lies that are constantly thrown at us, right? Brett Kavanaugh is a serial rapist. The Covington kids are all racist. Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist murder. Donald Trump said very fine people on both sides. Russia hoax, like all of this stuff that can cause a mass formation psychosis, a bunch of misinformation fed to us from the machine that you then see something. You might find some little clip, some crazy guy online who might be able to counter some of that information, but you're the one that feels crazy for having seen it because so much of the machine is just about peddling bullshit to control you and mandate you do this and decide when you can go out and everything else. If there has ever been a case of mass formation psychosis in modern times, this is it. And the way he talked about Nazi Germany, people didn't just become Nazis overnight. People didn't just turn on their neighbors overnight. It was slow. Remember that video we did uh, a couple weeks ago? Jordan Peterson, also on Joe Rogan's show, talking about inch by inch, that's how they get you. They don't just get you overnight. They get you inch by inch. Well, we're two years after two weeks to flatten the curve. So anyway, it is obvious to me whether the technical definition of mass formation psychosis is fully applicable or not is irrelevant. The concept of it is clearly right. There has been something very wrong. We all know about the lies and, and we know how many people 
are, are suffering a psychosis because of the lies, because their own reality doesn't match up with the lies. So when they're told, oh, if you get the vaccine, you're totally safe and you're not gonna transmit and blah, blah, blah. And then as happened to quite literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in the last two weeks that were double vaxxed and boosted and everything else, they started getting COVID. Well, then they start freaking out. What is true? What is true? So maybe the red pills are being doled out at a very high level right now. Anyway, I bring all of this up because then the best part of all of this is that the Associated Press then fact-checked mass formation psychosis because too many people started talking about it. Uh, and they said, mass formation psychosis, an unfounded theory spreading online, suggests millions of people have been hypnotized into believing mainstream ideas to combat COVID-19. Psychology experts say the concept is not supported by evidence. Get the facts, AP. Oh, thank you, thank you, AP, for that. That seems very truthful and honest. We are in a bullshit factory, guys, but we're in it together, and I now live in Florida, and I am more committed than ever to fight for truth and reason and freedom and individual rights. I'm psyched to be back in studio. Uh, so, man, we are going to fight the mass formation psychosis. That's the mission, and I'm gonna do it from sunny, free, Florida, that is the plan going forward. Uh, I wanna just thank once again the Newsmax folks for letting us borrow the studio this week. I wanna thank the Blaze folks who were gonna let us use the studios over in Dallas, but as I said, I felt like I just had to be in Florida uh, this week. I wanna thank my whole team that has moved here. Uh, not everyone's even in their houses and apartments yet. Like it's been, it's been a little uh, janky getting here and getting everybody in order, but we're all coming together now. Um, we should close down the house this week, so by next week, We'll be in a temporary studio in the house. We're gonna build out state-of-the-art studios and spare no expense. I am super psyched to be here. Uh, I also wanna say it's been so refreshing meeting people here. When I went to Whole Foods yesterday and Target a couple times and just walking down the street and I could wear my Let's Go Brandon t-shirt and people smile and give me high fives and everyone's been so nice. And I, I truly, I said it before, but I feel reborn. I feel something has been lifted off of my chest. And I hope that if you are in a place that is not aligned with what you believe. It is not aligned with the life that you wanna live. Think about your life seriously. No one's coming to save you, but you can save yourself. And there are places uh, that are beacons for freedom right now. So, all right, as you can tell, I'm psyched to be back. I'm psyched to be in Florida. Oh, and I, and I also just wanna thank you guys. You know, when, when we moved, uh, December 18th or so, uh, I thought we were gonna close on the house a couple days before Christmas. I was planning on being in the studio a little bit before Christmas. It ended up being a sort of a three week slog here. Um, and I missed you guys, I really did. Like every day I was sending stories to Michael, like I wanna be in the studio to talk about this, that, and the other thing. There's just so much going on. Um, so I just wanna thank all of you who support me. You know, I, I, when we did the goodbye video from Florida, that last thing that we did in the studio, I went into the comment section and like so many people just wishing me luck and happy for me and planning to do the same thing. Uh, and it is not lost. So I wanna thank all of you who are watching. I especially wanna thank uh, all of the members over at rubenreport.locals.com. That's where I respond to people every day and I'm getting to know you guys and I just love it. I'm psyched, Florida, man, it's awesome. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.